Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 15 of State of the Game, the golf podcast that talks about the stuff that matters. And boy, is there some stuff to talk about this week. My name's Rod Murray, and it has been a monumental few days in the game with division and controversy the order of the day. The St Andrews Lynx Trust have apparently decided it's a good idea to mess around with the old course at St Andrews. And at the same time, the game's governing bodies have announced the long-awaited ban on anchoring the golf club effectively, putting an end to belly and broomstick putters. Both these issues, as you could imagine, have sparked passionate debate in the worldwide golf community. And today, as always, I'm joined by three of the most passionate golf commentators doing the rounds. Jeff Shackelford, John Huggan and Mike Clayton need no further introduction. So it's just a general hello to and welcome to all of you gents, wherever you happen to be in the world. Nice to be here. Fantastic. And they will also no doubt have plenty to say about both Uh, those topics. Oh, I think Clates might be running a little bit behind there. Can you hear us properly, Clates? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, you just you might be on a bit of a delay, so we'll keep that uh, keep that in mind as we chat. I wanted to come to you first, Jeff, because of course you're at uh, at Tiger's well, tournament's probably an overstatement, isn't it? You're at the the World Challenge there in California, the end of year exhibition match. 18 players, three belly belly putters in the field. Of course, the big announcement about the anchoring. Uh, just the other day. What's been the talk on the ground there? I imagine it's the main topic of conversation amongst players and press alike. Yeah, oddly, the uh, the players have actually kind of joked when they've come in the press center that they, uh, oh, you're going to ask about anchoring. They don't want to talk about it. And uh, that surprises me a little bit because some of the players are very passionate uh, uh, for banning anchoring. And then, of course, there are some who are very passionate uh, for defending their their case. Webb Simpson was fantastic uh, two days ago, and then yesterday he didn't want to talk about it. So it's uh, I, I I'm not sure why they're um, uh, I guess they're just tired of it. I don't know, uh, but it's definitely been a uh, a topic of discussion as has been the uh, the old course. Although that news has been uh, trickling out a little bit more slowly, uh, and so for instance, yesterday Graham McDowell uh, actually asked us to take him through some of the changes. So that 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 news is just now uh, kind of uh, settling in with the players. I wonder, Huggy, you're about as cynical a man as I know. Was the anchoring uh, announcement and the changes to the old course so close together to maybe mask some of the, the, uh, the throwback about the old course? It all just seemed to happen a little bit too close, didn't it? These two big things have happened and one's going to take precedence and maybe that's what uh, the RNA were thinking. Well, I was I was a little bit more cynical about the 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 timing of the announcement of the old course changes relative to the actual beginning of the changes. I mean, <laughs> Friday afternoon to Monday morning, yes. Uh, especially during the American Thanksgiving holiday, uh, I think Shaq calls it a press dump, something like that. That's exactly what it was. It was designed to create the minimum amount of attention. And that's that's what happened. I mean, that's part of the reason why it's, it's kind of trickling out a bit slower than the anchoring thing. It was a you know basically the act of scoundrels um, with something to hide. I mean, it's the only thing we can conclude, especially when you compare it with the what was gone through three years ago when they did all, they made alterations to the Jubilee course in St Andrews, another one run by the the Lynx Trust, and another one altered by Martin Hottree. There was a long consultation process gone through. The greenkeeper, head of the greenkeepers, um, Gordon Moyer, was was available on a regular basis to talk to the public. There was a exhibition of the changes um, up in the 
Lakes Clubhouse for two weeks, I think, as long as two weeks. So there was an ample opportunity for the public to participate in the process. This time, absolutely nothing, which, you know, you don't have to be nearly as cynical as me to, <laughs> to think to yourself, well, maybe they've got something to hide. Indeed. Clates, I know you're, uh, you're running a few seconds behind there because you are over in Perth, but I want to ask you, of these two issues, and they're these two huge news stories have both broken about the same time, is either more important than the other? They're, they're both kind of sad in a way, aren't they, for the game? Um, both the, the anchoring thing and the St Andrews thing? Well, it's not sad that they're banning anchoring. What's sad is that there are players who think they're bigger than the game who want to threaten it. You know, I see Langer's threatened at Keegan Bradley. These guys who think that they're more important than the, uh, the people who make the decisions about how the game to be played. I mean, I'm incensed by those guys who think that they're bigger than the game. Mm. And the, the old course thing is just an outrage. I mean, I mean these people, when their epitaphs written, it'll, it'll be very sad, and that's what they'll write about. Dawson and Hawtrey will be condemned forever for what they've done. Mm. It, it's, they're two different things, aren't they, Clates? But they're both kind of important for the game. In the in the really long term, the St Andrews thing is maybe... Um, well, it is sad, isn't it? But it, it's maybe more important in a way, isn't it? Because this course has never really been tampered with in this way. They've added tees, but you can take tees out. Some of the bunkering stuff is that they're talking about doing is probably not so bad. But changing the contours of greens and some of the ground game, it, it is what St Andrews is. It's the ground game. Well, I mean, just I mean, people have tried to imitate that road hole green forever. And <laughs> Bruce Hepner and Tom Doak did a great job at Cape Kidnappers on the 14th hole. But, you know, it's such a genius piece of contouring that... Even suggest that you would change it is staggering. I mean, you can't believe that no. two people could be so arrogant. I mean, it's, it's, so to me, that's almost more important than anything else. But um, yeah. the anchoring is important because, you know, Langer used the argument well, if it was so good, everyone would be using it. What are they going to say in 20 years when every kid in China is using a belly putter? Because that's what's going to happen. And I, I firmly believe the short putter will be, it'll be extinct in. I said 10 years to Dublin the other day, who coaches Ogilvy and Badley and Kevin Nair and a few other guys. He said five years won't be anyone using a short putter on the US Tour because the, the belly putter is a training aid and it's a much better way to putt. So this argument that if it, was so much, if it was so much better, everyone's going to use it, what are they going to say in 10 years when there isn't a short putter on the US Tour? Because then it is too late to ban it. Yeah, well, of course, we, we know what hindsight can do with how far the ball goes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Shaq, have you got any thoughts on that about which of these two major sort of stories that have broken this week? In different ways, they've both got enormous potential impact on the game, don't they? They do. I, I don't think there's any question the old course is the, the problematic, uh, devastating, horrible story. And, and let me explain why. Uh, obviously, we all here love... Uh, the old course and what it stands for, um, and I and I don't know about you, Rod, but I know Clates and Huggin are are uh, in agreement that the anchoring had to go. Mm-hmm. What is I think now becoming apparent is that by uh, doing this with the old course, uh, they have brought attention once again to what an awful job the RNA has done and the USGA has done on this distance issue. And so now you have people reacting to anchoring the anchoring band news, which was great news. It's the right thing to do. They even executed it, I thought, very well. The language was it's a bit complicated and there there are a lot of nuances, but in general, they got it right. They explained it well, they marketed it well, which they don't usually like to do. 
And yet, when you talk to people, their reaction is, why are you doing this now? You have bigger problems in the game. And so the, the old course news has undercut what should have been the right thing to do. And you, I really do think this anchoring thing is in trouble. Uh, when you look at some of the reaction from the PGA of America and their president, who's a bit of a loose cannon, but you look at the message, and I've talked to a lot of people, I've gotten a lot of email, and the reaction is the same thing over and over again. Why now? Why is this a priority when there are these other things? And I think the old course, besides just being devastating that these people would have the audacity to do what they did, it's also undercut the anchoring message. And then if they ever want to do rolling back distance, I think it's going to be a tough sell as well because people are going to say, wait a second, the game's not well. You're taking distance away from me. And I just don't know if they're able to explain to people why these things are important to protect there's about a million threads in that ball of issues that you've thrown up there Jack. We'll, <laughs> we'll try and pick them apart perhaps one by one huggy it strikes me controversy is is great for newspapers and news outlets because it gives you headlines and whatnot but but this this the the putter anchoring thing in particular the divisiveness of that it reminds me of what we had sort of 10 12 years ago do you remember when the trampoline effect in the drivers we had two different rules in the u.s and in the uk uh, and there was all sorts of craziness going on and and i see some of the same kinds of things happening here that was around the time peter costas got removed from the golf channel if you recall because he called arnold palmer a cheat which didn't go down well with the owner of the golf channel as you'd imagine can you see some similarities there and is it a healthy thing for the game? To me, it, I'm not sure that this is a, a good thing for golf. Well, I think, sorry to, to correct you, but I don't think we should have Peter Costas getting removed from oh, the golf Costa, channel. Sorry. It was actually Peter Tesla. My mistake, yes. But so, sorry, just in case Peter Costas, his lawyers are listening. <laughs> Indeed. Um, <clears throat> but I must admit, that I, I haven't found that this um, the ruling on the anchoring thing has been that divisive. I, I, I mean, I don't know anybody, I don't know one amateur golfer who uses either a belly putter or a long putter, mm. not one. And the only people I've, I've heard who've come out against the the changes that the RNA uh, and the USGA have made are the professionals who use either a long putter or a belly putter. And they're, as Jeff just pointed out, they're, they're only thinking of themselves. They're not thinking of the, the long-term good of the game and the protection of the long putter, as Clates likes to put it, which is a great way to look at it. So, I mean, I, I don't see this as, as, you know, I mean, I think Jeff's points were well made, but I think it's, it could actually help. I mean, I think most people are, are for the, the, what the USGA and the RNA have done. So next time around, it might not be quite as difficult for them to, to sell us on, you know, smaller driver heads and, and a ball that, that goes 50 yards shorter for the pros and five yards shorter for the rest of us. I'm not convinced that I agree with you about that, Huggy, <laughs> but... But we'll see. I actually think there's a lot of people who've who've decided, even if they don't use the belly putter, that uh, that to take something away that's been in play already for 20 years. That well, was always who are these people? Hey? Tell me who they are. I've, I've read well, a lot of comments on Jack's side. I've gotten 10 uh, emails in the last two days from from people who say it saved them from quitting the game, and and that's not a lot. But but I know there are those people out there, and and I feel for them. I mean, I do understand their case. Uh, I don't I, I don't agree with the the belly butter concept but I, I understand where they're coming from when they say now wait a second this has kept some people playing the game and and then of course it leads right to the uh, the next question and not to start uh, not to open up another can of worms but it just drives people to that discussion about bifurcation or why are we doing these things 
for this select group of people when there are people who uh, just want to play the game and enjoy it, and this is this has allowed them to kind of keep going. Well, I, I can certainly live with that. I mean, the the bifurcation thing we've talked about endlessly, and you know, fine. I mean, if it's a, the small number of people that you're talking about on the you know the, the guys that you probably cut off on the end of a bell curve, but there you know there's a yeah. significantly small number if you want to put it like that who are going to be affected by this, and they play golf just for fun. Well carry on as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I, I would bifurcate tomorrow yeah, so I was given the chance. Seems the only sensible way forward when you think about all the argument, even though it's not particularly palatable necessarily because it is an enormous change to the way the game's always been. It does seem it may be the only sensible way forward. Clates, of course, uh, you are a golf professional, so uh, in this sense, perhaps you, you're part of the, the enemy in this way. Is Huggy right? Is it only the pros that are that are upset about this? Or you play a lot of golf, go to a lot of golf clubs, do uh, renovation work and design work at golf clubs and meet lots and lots of golf members. You probably play in a pro-am this week at the Australian Senior Open. Good luck in that, by the way. What's your sense on people's take on the on the long putters, on the, on the amateur side of things? Uh, I wouldn't think many of them care. I don't know many of them that use it. And the the threat of, I'm going to give up the game if I can't use it, well, it misses the point of golf if you're going to give it up because you, I mean, go and play the mates and use the belly putter. Mm. You know, just don't play in the comp or, I mean, People manage for forever with yippy strokes. Everyone's got the yips, really. I, I don't know Hank Haney's theory is that everyone's got the yips to some degree. I, uh, I think everyone's got... I mean, Bernard Langer was the one guy... Well, he's not the one. He, he's one of about three guys I've seen that truly had the yips. So he could hit a shot to four feet and hit it 20 feet past the hole. Wow. People think of they joke a two-foot putt, they've got the yips. Well, they kind of have, but it's not really the, the, the true yips, which are horrifying. So, but I was on the practice floor yesterday talking to Roger Davis about it, and his first comment was, "Well, I've heard Tim Fincham's not going to implement it, and you know we'll sue everybody." And so that's kind of the reaction of the guys who use it. Peter Senior wasn't, didn't say too much. He was on the other side of us, but Roger was, you know, Fincham won't implement it, and the players will sue it, and we'll be using it forever. Well, he's so that's the reaction of the practice floor yesterday at Royal Perth. He's very diplomatic, Peter Senior. I can't see him coming out and saying that sort of thing. But that does raise an interesting issue, doesn't it, Clates? Because, of course, these guys playing for their livelihood. There is no law that says professional golf has to play by the rules set by the two amateur governing bodies. It's just tradition, isn't it? That's just what we've always done. There's no reason why Tim Fincham and George O'Grady couldn't come out and say these two tours and other tours around the world are now going to play by our own set of rules. Well, except that they've never delved into that area of the game before. They've conspicuously stayed away from interfering with the USGA and the RNA and their ability to make and change rules. So, okay, if Fincham's not going to uh, ban the belly putter for the tour, then when's he going to come out and say, we're going to make a ball that restricts how far it goes? I mean, is he going to do that as well? I mean, I'd kind of be happy if he did that. Uh-oh. You know, if that was the compromise, if he said, we're going to allow belly putters, but, but we're also going to bring in a ball that goes 50 yards shorter, Okay, you can do that for me because that, to me, the ball is way more important than the putter. I mean, you know, I think, I firmly think the short putter will be extinct if they don't do it, but, you know, the ball is way more important than that. Sadly, of course, Shaq, the reality is if Fincham decided that they were going to have their own rules, it'd be unlikely he'd go for a ball rollback, wouldn't it? Because Titleist and Strixon and Bridgestone would be campaigning for a ball that goes even further and clubs that are even bigger, would they not? That's that's the potential end for professional golf. You can see why the PGA Tours have never been interested in getting involved in rules making. But if their own constituents and, and enough of them, and there are plenty of them now with the belly and broomstick, but to start making those noises, is there a chance that we might see something like that? 
No, there's no chance. A, because rulemaking is not – there's no profit in rulemaking, so Tim Fincham won't be interested. Uh, but also his players, uh, look how they're reacting to this. I mean, if you look at the PGA Tour statement, it was very lukewarm in support of the uh, of the announcement. Mm. In fact, there was no support, oh. which shocked me. I expected them to uh, have a statement ready to go that, uh, as always, we support the uh, governing bodies, blah, 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 blah. Doesn't and they, that tell you They didn't do that at all. But doesn't that and tell that, you to me, was check? staggering yesterday. Uh, maybe more than even than the PGA of America uh, uh, president uh, making the rounds and speaking out. That, but that's the point I'm trying to make, Shaq. Doesn't that – I would have expected the tours to – you know, it's the easiest thing in the world for them. You rubber stamp it. USGA and RNA, they make the rules. We just follow them. It's all fantastic. That wasn't the case. Doesn't that hint – that perhaps the kickback they're getting from their own players is making them think again. That right, and and can you imagine though what the players will be like if the uh, the ball's on the table? Because uh, the, the, that's just uh, they all make money off of a ball contract. So uh, and Graham McDowell, to his credit, just came right out yesterday and said, "Look, uh, I don't believe in two sets of rules, and I'll you know I'll be honest. I'm paid to play these clubs, and 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 if I win, you want to buy them and." Uh, and he wasn't saying it in a way that uh, he was proud of or that he was uh, ashamed of. It just it's just the way it is, and that's that's their livelihood. And uh, uh, nobody expects them to be in a position to really uh, make a case for protecting things like St. Andrews with a rolled back ball. That's not their job. Their job's to play. It's the job of the administrators and people with a with a love for the game and a, and a vision for the game to. Uh, to, to make the case for these kinds of things. And, and of course, so far, they, they really have not done a very good job of that, but they're they're clearly trying to make amends. I, I kind of get what you're saying there, Shaq, but Clates, would you agree with that? Don't, don't players, professional players, have a responsibility to speak out on behalf of the game? Obviously, many of them do once their competitive days are over. Nicholas and player have been fabulous examples of that. But don't players have a responsibility, even though... Their bread may be being buttered by these by these things. I, I suspect many of the players would be quite happy if the ball distance was rolled back. Yeah, as long as the players who speak out are articulate and not that they make our case, but they make a well-reasoned, intelligent case. And I, I mean, some of them are capable of doing that and some of them aren't. And, you know, in a two-horse race always backs self-interest, so... The, they're always going to fall down on the side of self-interest. But if Jeff Ugly, for instance, who's made you know, a lot of articulate and intelligent comments about the game came out and spoke about it, then I would listen to that. But if Robert Allenby came out or Brett Ogle, I'm not interested at all because I don't <laughs> consider their opinion worthwhile. So, you know, it depends who's saying it, really. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Huggy, what about what's your take on that? I mean... We sort of have this blanket idea, don't we, of professional golf. Of course, all professional golfers aren't the same. But are professional golfers just golfers? Don't they have a responsibility and a right to have an input into all this stuff as well? Well, they do. They do as golfers and as human beings, but it's it's already been covered. I mean, it's it's difficult to take anything 99% of them say on on this subject seriously because they're they're being paid so much money to to – think and say something else at least or say something else even if they don't think it so i mean i'm you know again yet again i'm deeply cynical when it comes to to listening to professional golfers on the subject of equipment um although there are you know little areas where they they do come and jeff ogilvy's the the great shining light on this i've recently um written a column for the great man where he gave the example of the the hybrid how the hybrid club has affected the game um, at the top level, 
you're making the point that something like 25 years ago, there were maybe three or four players on the tour who could hit a long iron high enough in the air to stop it on a green 230 yards away. Now, every single guy on the tour can hit that shot using his hybrid. And the, the edge that someone like, probably he's talking about someone like Greg Norman, who had that shot 25 years ago, his edge has been taken away. So these guys can go out and buy a better game just like everybody else. So, And it's worth a lot of money to them. They're, they're playing for money, not just for fun. So I can kind of understand why they, why they keep buying uh, yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, you, you certainly can. You, you don't. Uh, you don't bite the hand that feeds you, do you, Shaq? I want to come back to the old course changes. We haven't sort of outlined them. Um, some bunkers being added. Nine holes in total, I think, being changed. Just quickly run yes. through a bit of a thumbnail of what they're planning to do. What's the most offensive part of what they've what they've started doing already? Shall we say? Well, a lot of people have seized on on uh, eleven, which is offensive. Uh, as Mike said, the road hole, yeah, it, literally just days before this announcement came out, I was going through some photos and I sat here at my computer and I stared at, at this photo I have of the, of the, uh, the road green from over by the hotel side. And I just looked at it and I went, look at that, look at that wave like Ridge in the front of the green. What a masterpiece. Nobody could create that. And I just watched this beautiful film on, on the making of old McDonald where my friend, uh, Mike Robin, who did it, he he went over there, and Tom Doak and Mike Kaiser worshipped that contour and talked about it and how they were trying to recreate it at Old MacDonald, and you can't recreate these things, and that's been something that's so difficult to explain to people that man just cannot create some of these contours. But the most offensive, without question for me, would be the two bunkers they want to shove into the second green. They want to do something similar on four, I believe, as well. That just is just so unbelievably uh, opposed to everything that the old course is about. That it's going to take away the ground game. It 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 changes uh, uh, the green itself, the green complex. All it does is give them the chance to s- sneak a whole location in behind bunkers. It's not accessible to to create more pars instead of birdies. And to me, it just it's it's the notion that you would actually take away ground game shots or make the course more difficult for the average player is is just offensive on a level that's it's really incomprehensible that, that they would go out there and, and do this. Plates, take off the golf pro hat for a moment, put on the course architect hat. Can these changes be undone? Or once it's been dug up, is that it? You can never put it back. What they're talking about doing to the right of the second green, I think, is adding some mounding and contours. These things must just send a shiver up your spine to think about. But can they be undone if common sense prevails, given the fact that the RNA, you can only describe it as arrogantly, have already dug up stuff? They're already filling in the depression on the seventh hole, and they're going to turn it into a mound. Can we undo it as a course, as a course designer? Yeah, if you're really good at what you do, if they hired Bill Core to go back and put it back the way it was, he, he could go and do that. But th- that's the thing. If My question was, would there be the outrage if Bill Core was doing this work? And I suspect there wouldn't be because he's a much more competent architect and a great architect, one of the greatest ever. But the point about Bill Core is he wouldn't do this. He would sit there and hey, say, tell I'm him no. I'm not touching it. Don't even think about touching anything here. So for any architect, what a great thing to have on your resume. I'm the guy who's redoing the old course. I mean, God, what a publicity that is. So, um, you know, 
Cookhorn and Tom Doken, you know, the, the great architects wouldn't even think about taking the commission to do this work. So that's the staggering thing is the arrogance of an architect to think he can improve on the, the greatest course in the world. We missed some of your words there, Clades, but the outrage came through loud and clear. Question, though, does something need to be done with the old course? Are some, it's, it's Scott McPherson, we had him on the show 18 months, two years ago. Scott McPherson? No, Greg Turner's partner. Is it Scott McPherson? Yeah, Jack? Scott, yeah. Yeah, he, who wrote the book. He was quite open and said, you know, he'd, he'd quite happily add some bunkers to St Andrews and move some bunkers around. Is, is there is there some merit to anything that they're doing, Clates? Well... I don't think so. I think you, uh, well, well, the argument is that the course has always changed. It's been changing for 400 years. Mm-hmm. But I always thought the threat of the ninth hole, where, where they want to put bunkers down the left, there was the threat of hitting it in the gorse there. I mean, sure, it's an easy hole. You know, it's a nondescript flat kind of thing that's part of its genius, really. It just it is what it is. It's always been that way. And, you know, they they drive it on the green. They move the tee back so it's 350 yards and they still drive it on the green. I mean, you know, we all always keep going back to the point about the equipment. Mm. That's the thing to change, not the golf course. Huggy, I imagine you probably get to spend more time on near St Andrews than any of us on the phone here, given that uh, you actually live in the place. Uh, do you get to go down there much? Do you speak to people? Do you see people playing the old course? How do the amateurs handle it? I mean, is this going to have any impact on? Well, obviously, have some impact on those who play at the other four years and three hundred and sixty-one days of the year. Yeah, well, I'm lucky enough to live close enough. My wife actually works in St Andrews every day, so I'm in, I'm there quite often. Uh, the, the one thing that struck me about all these, some of these changes, not all of them, some of them, is the complete lack of logic. I mean, Dawson came out and, and pronounced to the world that they were doing all this to keep the course, you know, hard enough or competitive enough or however he put it, for the, the world's best players. And some of these changes, to me, are, are going to make the course easier for them. I mean, the the thing at the fourth, where they're kind of eliminating the mound to give them a better view of the fourth green, well, that's going to help them. The 11th green is going to be, you know, less of a slope on the left-hand side. That's going to help them play the whole bet. You know, it's going to make the hole easier. And the 17th, even the, the road to a bunker thing, I mean, I, I share, my goodness, Jeff's, you know, outrage. No, oh, we can't lose Huggy as well. Surely. <laughs> Not when he was just getting fired up. Huggy. Ah, he was just getting going. He was... Huggy, come back. Ay, ay, ay. Jeff, pick it up uh, there. I'm sure you shared the same amount of outrage about... Uh, well, he, he makes an interesting point. There are a few of these changes that, that do... Uh, when you define things more for modern tour players, you make it easier for them. And the beauty of the old course is that it is so undefined and yet they, most players love it. And so when you, when you kind of codify and define, they, they like that that's playing to their wheelhouse. And that's where the architecture mentality here is just, it tells you, uh, that we're, we're dealing with people who have not done their homework, have not gone back and read Bernard Darwin or, or, I mean, I've been reading, somebody's been texting me today, all these pages to go read in the spirit of St. Andrews. And it makes you want to scream. You think, Oh my Lord, if Alistair McKenzie were here, he would go into the RNA clubhouse with a gun <laughs> and and shoot people. He'd be so mad. I mean, he he you could tell when he wrote his book, he knew this that that's there was a chance that someday this could happen. Well, wasn't he actually asked Shaq to make some changes to the old course, and he was the one who did the Bill Corr and said, "You must be joking. Don't touch it." Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, that was his that was his attitude, and that's why he mapped it when he did. And and you know, and like uh, Clates was saying, you know, people say it's always evolving. Yes, there's there's sand blowing and things change, but I, I view it as settled law, and that's it's a it's a case law uh, term we use here in the United States. You know, really, about the time McKenzie documented it, other than the T's they've added, uh, which were which were annoying, but uh, they 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 served a purpose. It really is settled law. It, the the course works. It's 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 aged enough. It doesn't need to be improved by people who who really just don't clearly understand it. Which is surprising. Apart from which, of course, you know the the town itself relies heavily on it. It's an enormous tourist attraction. If you fiddle with that and in any way damage its appeal as a tourist attraction, you potentially have some pretty serious economic downsides for the the town of St Andrews itself. I know you're a fan. I, of, I'm back. I'm oh, back. Honey, thank God back. you're back. Yes, yes you. We were you were mid outrage there and we missed you and we lost you at the seventeenth <laughs> green. Where was I when I was so rudely interrupted? You were at the seventeenth green, uh, the road hole green. You were sharing my outrage. Yeah, well, the, the, as I say, the, the 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 contouring thing is. I mean, it's just it beggars belief that anybody would mess around with that. But the point I was going to make was that they're make, they're actually going to make the road hole bunker itself a little bit bigger, mm. which again. Is going to make it easier to get out of. Mm. They are, I mean, admittedly, they're going to make it. Or well, the plan, their plan is. And I'm not going to admit anything to these people, but the plan is that the, to get more balls in the bunker. But by making it bigger, they're going to make it easier to get out of. Yeah. That's just logic. Indeed. So I don't understand the, you know, the difference between what Dawson has actually said publicly and some of the things they're actually then going to do to the golf course. Have done uh, hugging. Don't they don't. Make, they make no sense whatsoever to have, me. Have None done hugging. The the real tragedy of all this is that it's already done. And I know you're a fan of irony hugging. Doesn't it strike you as ironic that the anchoring ban will take three and a bit years before it's finally in place? The changes to the old course are already done, and the campaign that has broken out is effectively useless because they've already dug stuff up. I've seen pictures on Shack's site of bulldozers on the old course at St Andrews. Enough to make you want to cry. It is. I mean, and I. I mean, I. I'm not going to go as far as to say that I'm. I'm going to feel sorry for Peter Dawson, but I do think that he's getting closer. I mean, he's, fairly, he's a lot closer to the end of his career with the RNA than he is the beginning, and I think that this is going to be what his lasting legacy is going to be. Forget all the good stuff he's he's ever done uh, internally within the RNA in a business sense. I think, you know, this is going to be what's going to hang over him when he retires. It'll be the first question. Peter, do you regret what you did to the old course? Well, the headstone's going to raise, isn't it? I dug up the 17th green at St Andrews. Um, you know, that's that's kind of going to be his thing. Clates, in a weird kind of way, might this end up being a good thing? Is this perhaps the shock that some of the golf public need? And I know you've always said this, that most amateurs really, A, don't understand and B, don't really care all that much about golf and some of the more spiritual aspects of those of us that are seriously hooked on it do. But could this help? Could this be a catalyst? Could could some of those who have been otherwise indifferent think to themselves, Jesus, if they're doing something to the old cause, maybe we really do need to do something about where the game has found itself with the equipment and technology in the game. Oh, perhaps. I mean, I think you know, a, lot, a lot of people don't think about it and don't care about it, but uh, my, I wonder if Dawson and Hawtrey are shocked at the outrage, whether they're really surprised at how much vitriol there is aimed towards them and what they're doing. So, you know, if they understand that, then perhaps it might stop some of this. Because they might sit out, sit back and realise, wow, that perhaps this wasn't what we should have done. So, so that might be the only hope. But 
I mean, Jeff spoke about Mackenzie's book, The Spirit of St. Andrews, before. And the more you read that book, the more genius it is. It talks about restricting the ball. It talks about the game. It talks about so much stuff about the game. And if people read it now, it's more relevant now than when it was written. And are there still lessons you know, in it for us, Clates? And you wonder how many people read that book and how, how many, you know, it's such a great book. And you know, I wonder how many people in the R&A have even read it. Because if they'd read it, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. You wouldn't think so, would you? Shaq, it's interesting, isn't it? We've seen Augusta fiddled with and plenty of outrage about that. Nothing like this. I mean, the old course thing's got its own Twitter feed. Now, as I know, you've pointed to it several times on the website. <laughs> There's been that web poll. Have you been surprised by the reaction? And conversely, I've been a bit surprised by some of the reaction of people who've said, what are you getting so upset about? I can't understand that at all. But uh, have you been re- re- surprised by any of the response? No, except for one thing, and that's the Scots and the people who live in St. Andrews telling, kind of giving this uh, mind-your-own-business attitude. Uh, we, we know what to do. Uh, we know our course best. We know how to handle things. And, and I naturally just remind them of the Castle Course or the Old Course Hotel as signs that you know they don't necessarily always have the best taste uh, when it comes to uh, historic preservation or, or restraint. And Otherwise, though, I, I've, I'm, I'm completely expected, as soon as I read about it, I knew there'd be outrage. I'm thrilled with uh, seeing the, uh, the social media uh, hashtagging and all that fun stuff. Um, that's all great. Um, and I, I, you know, Tiger was, was interesting to me because his body language was very tortured. Uh, I asked the question. I went right in on the third question to make sure I got it in And he uh, on Tuesday. And he... I was shocked that he just so quickly endorsed a couple of the things, and then he so clearly despised what they're doing with the road hole. Uh, Nicholas was just horrifying uh, that that he sits there on the Golf Channel and talks for five minutes about uh, everything. Ninety percent of the problems in the game would be fixed with the with the golf ball, and then they ask him about St Andrews, and he says, uh, "Well, you know, you got to change with the times." <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just depressing, but. But then there are people like Peter Thompson who just come through uh, in ways you just dream about. That he, yeah, it's, he's, it's just a, it, it's, he's reacting the way you'd hope, and he's somebody who has so much influence with the RNA. He was somebody who they really looked to to defend the tees on, as Huggy uh, was the one to figure out on about five courses uh, uh, in 2010. He was their point man. Uh, they they commissioned him almost to to defend it, and now here he comes and just blasts them. So. That's fantastic and appropriate. Uh, do you reckon, as Clayton says, that maybe Hawtrey and Dawson have been, well, they're obviously the figureheads of this, not the only people involved. Do you think they've been surprised by the reaction or do you think they understood how serious it's going to be and that's why they said on Friday afternoon we're going to do it and on Monday the D5s rolled out onto that sacred ground? No, I think they knew that there would be a, uh, a backlash and that's why they handled it the way they did. I, I would be very curious to know what kind of things have gone on uh, internally because they're so insulated and really that's the only way they get feedback now is is from their members and the people they, they hang out with. I don't really think they pay much attention to uh, the things that are going on in social media. Obviously, Dawson had gotten some feedback in some sense based on some of the phone calls he got from from reporters like Martin Dempster and, and uh, asking for comment on those things. But um, I, I'm, I have to think they knew it would, would be uh, uh, received poorly by the way they handled it. And, and, um, Went ahead anyway. <laughs> why they would take that risk is, is uh, beyond me. What the thrill in that is, I, I, don't, uh, I don't really uh, – it's not something I can comprehend. Yeah, of course uh... – 
Yeah, well, of course, Peter Dawson told us at the Open, didn't he, that he can't afford to tweet, so he wouldn't know what's going on uh, on Twitter. Um, uh, no, I don't think he cares. No. Huggy, how did they keep it so secret? Did you hear a whisper about this? How do you plan to do something like this to the old course and nobody knows until the Friday that it's announced? Uh, well, I must admit, I, I mean, I'm in Australia right now, obviously, and I've been here for two or three weeks, but I, I knew nothing. There was no inkling, no hint, nothing came out. Um, that they were intending to do anything on this scale. I know that the, I think the, the road hole bunker had certainly been mentioned before, but the in terms of you know putting it back maybe the way it had been sometime in the past. But uh, certainly there was no mention of the contouring around the bunker and no mention of any of the other stuff. Um, I do. I mean, I, I'm I'm much more of a, a you know fan might be too strong a word, but I I'm more of a fan for if I can use that word for the moment, uh, of Peter Dawson than, than Jeff is, for example. I mean, he has done, he was the right guy at the right time in a lot of ways for the RNA in terms of their business structure and, and the separation from the golf club and all the rest of it. He was He's very, very experienced, a very experienced and successful businessman, and he was perfect for that role. However, on the other side of the coin, easily the weakest part of his, his makeup and repertoire is his dealings with the media and he he's, hasn't distinguished himself many times in the past in that area and this time is a perfect example of that for him to you know arrogantly stare down the you know the this rising outrage around the world by saying well we've studied the old course more than anybody full stop nothing else i mean that that is going to do him no good. It doesn't do his image any good. It comes across as arrogant and elitist and all the rest of it. And he should be out front and centre right now, explaining why the hell they're doing this. You know, they're, they're give, we we need to know what their thinking was, and we don't really. I mean, no one said. You so might, you might have we're having a guess you might have what had... their motivation was. And goodness me, I can't come up with any good reason for it. But um, you know, I'd like to know what they're thinking. You might have had a chance of convincing people if you'd spent some time explaining yourself, wouldn't you, Huggy? But when you just say on Friday we're doing it on Monday, you roll in. It doesn't really leave a whole lot of room for uh, to make your case if people disagree with what you do. Just on that, Huggy, of course, poor old Peter Dawson, you know, much of his media experience is having to sit down and endure you for about an hour every year, is it not? As I understand it, doesn't he subject himself to an hour of Huggy once a year as, as punishment? Well- Often more than once a year, but we do have an official. Every January, I go in and we we sit there and we argue back and forth. But uh, I mean, at this time, I, I can imagine it's always been fairly amicable. But this time, I can see there's going to be a real edge to it. But because I, I mean, I just can't begin to to endorse anything that they've done here. And it's going to be an interesting conversation, shall we say? I think it might, and it might even last less than an hour. You never know. <laughs> I was about to say it could be a pretty quick one uh, this coming January. Shaq, I, I, I didn't uh, join the teleconference. Was Dawson asked about this during the anchoring teleconference? Well, I uh, I asked a question. I was uh, uh, right after the beat writer from the Villages, the retirement community in Florida. So as you can imagine, the heavy hitters uh, lined up for this teleconference call. Uh, and I was about uh, 10 minutes out of bed because it was at 5.30 here. And, and I preface my question by noting that Webb Simpson and Adam Scott have countered the anchoring uh, band discussion by saying, well, if you're going to talk about skill, the the bigger problem in the game is distance. And so I, I noted that, uh, I noted that a lot of people will have the reaction that is this, is that 
not uh, distance, not a bigger priority than dealing with this band. And I and I said it culminated. I mentioned I got in a little mention of the old course. Well, of course, Peter then chimed in and had to address that uh, briefly and, and assured us it had nothing to do with the distances the players are hitting the ball today <laughs> because they're not adding any new back tees. Well, of course, he left out that a they've already left the built the back tees and. And B, well, yes, it really all has to do with the distance. Uh, that that's where the need to put a uh, stiffen the defenses, as he says, it uh, has come in from. It's it's come from from guys hitting it so far. So um, he was uh, clearly a little bit touchy, but he, he called me Jeff and uh, <laughs> sort of offered to uh, you know address that privately with me. So um, I don't know what I would talk to him about. I, there's really I, there's just nothing to say. It's it's Please. sort of uh, uh, it, it's just an odd situation. I, 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 I have zero respect for his knowledge of architecture. Uh, I have zero respect for him going around to the open courses, giving them the treatment. Oh, uh, you could see this coming. Mm. This kind of ego uh, is dangerous, and, and it's disturbing And to have the governing bodies going and playing architect uh, to, to mask the job they did not do. Clates, uh, Dawson has offered, his, his very first public comment that I saw was to Doug Ferguson, and he said it was a knee-jerk reaction, and he'd be more than happy to walk any architect around the golf course and explain to them what they're doing and that they would be, after that, comfortable with the changes that are being made. You're an architect. You want to take Peter Dawson up on that? You want to fly over to St Andrews and have him walk you around the course, and do you think you'll be comfortable with the concepts he's putting to you after that's happened? Well, it's an interesting thought. I doubt he would take anyone up on the offer. I think if John Doker... <laughs> Bill Corr and I and Gil Hansen, Mike DeVries and Peter Thompson jumped in a plane and said, okay, let's go. I don't think he'd be a little uncomfortable. Um, I had a friend in Australia who's a golf tragic like all of us who is threatening to fly to St Andrews, actually fly there from here to express his outrage. He's going to get on a plane and fly there. And another kid I, well, Chris Kane, who some of us know, he's written a letter to Alex Salmon sort of pointing out the legal issues. And so there's, uh, amongst the people here, there's as much upset as anywhere else, really. But, you know, I doubt I'd like to see Peter Dawson in a golf course architecture argument with Tom Doak, for example. Doak would bury him mm. because, oh. you know, <laughs> yeah, it would be comical. Mm. Just on Martin Hawtrey, Clates, a uh, lot being made of the fact I didn't know this. Apparently, he doesn't play golf at all, and he's the longest longest continuous golf architecture firm in the world. I think that's that's what the Hawtrey company uh, that's that's sort of their their slogan. Yeah. Is that fair? I mean, obviously, you've been critical of him because he's taken on the community. Is is it fair to focus on that? The fact that he doesn't play golf is that relevant at all? Well. Is a, uh, you know, there are people who say that you can't be a good architect unless you're a good player, and I absolutely don't agree with that. I think you can. I've seen you know a lot of guys who are not very good players who are tremendous architects. I've seen players who can't break 150 or architects, and I kind of think that's beyond the point of you can't. I, don't, I think it's difficult to have any comprehension of what goes through a player's mind when they play golf when you're that bad at it. And if you don't play at all, I think it's hard to understand. As Bobby Jones said, there's tournament golf and there's mm. well, there's golf and there's championship golf. Mm. And I think if you don't play at all, it's hard to understand how your mind changes when you go from playing one form of the game to the other. So that 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 would be my suspect of, of someone who didn't play golf at all is how do they really understand 
how your mind changes and when you're just slapping around with your mates to when you're actually in a tournament and how that changes. And, you, you know, a sports psychologist would say, well, it shouldn't change at all. Why should it be any different? But as Bobby Jones so perfectly pointed out, the, the, the two games have no relationship to each other, and they don't. No, that's why. So if you don't play golf, I, I wonder if you can possibly understand how that works. Yes, sports psychologists, of course, Clates have never stood over a putt for a win or to make a cut or to be able to continue uh, pursuing the livelihood they've dreamed of since they were a kid. So it's all very easy for them to say, Shaq, are we being unfair focusing on Hawtrey's lack of golf playing? Is that a, does, he, does he make himself a fair target? in that way, or should we steer clear of that? Is that beneath a genuine argument about what's being done to the old course? Uh, I think when the old course is on the table or under the uh, the, the surgeon's knife, uh, I think everything should be uh, considered. And I, I, when these changes are, are driven for a tournament uh, that is played uh, for four days every five years, um, and, and the architect is uh and we know let's be honest he's rubber stamping what the rna wants that's why they like him he'll do what they want um i i i don't like it but unfortunately i think everything has to be uh, out front and discussed and and uh when you're talking about the old course of st andrews it's it's just different and uh, uh i i think it's um i i, I do think it's an issue I think I tend to agree there is something special about it, isn't there? Huggy, some have suggested, and possibly rightfully so, that the world would be a better place if they just accepted then, rather than do this to the old calls, just stop playing the Open there. Well, yeah, I tell you what, you can actually make a case for that because it's it's the world's worst uh, spectator golf course. I mean, simply because no one can, no spectators can get in the middle of the golf course while there's you know play underway. So... Um, in that respect, uh, and the town gets overrun by, I mean, they get bigger crowds at the St Andrews Opens than they do anywhere else. And to be honest, it's it's not a whole lot of fun uh, going to an Open at St Andrews if you want to actually watch some of the golf. There's only two or three spots on the golf course that are any, even halfway decent for, for viewing. And uh, there are far better venues in that respect if you're looking at it in a, in a modern way. But, I mean, at the end of the day, of course, I mean, it's nonsense to imagine that they would ever stop having opens at St Andrews because, A, you know, as I've just pointed out, they get bigger crowds, there's more money involved. The, there's just, you know, the, and the, the RNA and um, is a business now. It's not the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St Andrews who run the open, it's the RNA. So they're they're looking at the bottom line a lot more. So it, it's, it's never going to happen. They're always going to go there every five years. There's too much money to be made. And Rod, Rod, there, there's nothing wrong with the old course as a tournament venue. Nobody was saying, "Oh, uh, boy, Louis uh, Louis Ustazen was, um, yeah, that was a terrible display of golf." Or nobody's saying uh, he was lucky. Nobody's saying he shot too low. Uh, he was the best player last time. It usually gives you the best player for the week. Nobody was clamoring to make this course more difficult that I'm aware of, uh, except the people whose egos are tied to the winning score. And I, I, I never understood that concept anyway. I don't know why. Uh, I mean, nobody remembers. Uh, 99% of golfers couldn't tell you what he shot in, in 2010. Well, well, so I, I don't understand it. The average score five years ago was 73, just over 73, which is one It was over pushing five. 74. Yeah, it was, well, 
<laughs> Indeed. Sorry, we, we've, we've why uh, why? Yeah, we've we've lost uh, we've lost clades. On that point, though, um, Shaq, Generally speaking, you criticise the USGA for all those years for what they do to golf courses to protect par. Generally speaking, the RNA have tended to be better. Oh, Clay, Clayton, you're back. He's back. Yes, good to have you back. You're I'm back. back. It's too important an issue for you to disappear, Clayton. So good of you to come back on and. Uh, <laughs> And be a part of it. Yeah, on that, Shaq, generally we've, we've pointed the finger at the USGA for doctoring courses to, you know, to produce par golf, which is what they want for the USA. It hasn't tended to be the case for the RNA. What do you think's driven this? The, the early talk about this, and most of the early comment was there was a fear that someone was going to shoot 59 around the old course next time the Open was there if the wind didn't blow. Genuine concern, is it not? Would that be a good thing for golf if someone shot 59 at the old course? Well, it's a genuine possibility. No, it's not a concern. It's only a concern to the people who will, uh, who for whatever reason, their ego is damaged by such a thing. I, I guess they're fearful that uh, the old course would be the first place that somebody would go below 63, as nobody's ever shot 62 in a major. Um, but I, the last I, I, I looked, the, the object in tournament golf is to shoot the lowest score. <laughs> and yet, for whatever reason... Golf has this bizarre fascination with wanting to prevent people from performing and displaying their skill. Even though they babble on about we can't have anchoring putters because it's it's not true skill, when when we want these people to express their skill, we then have these 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 cynical, cynical people in the game wanting to stop them from doing that. And it's 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 just oh, it just gets so old. It's just uh, and and the worst is that Dawson gets up there and gives these speeches about how we don't care about the winning score. Yeah. Well, of course, that's just that's just baloney. Yeah, it, uh, it certainly doesn't seem to be the case. Clay, it's just about when we lost you. I was asking Huggy, and he gave his thoughts on it. What are your thoughts on the notion that if the old course is no longer up to hosting the Open, just stop hosting it there? What do you think about that? Well, I know. I think they've got to because... I think there are some of the greatest holes in the game there. I mean, you would hate not to see great players tackle 11, 12, 13, 14, 16, 17, uh, and even the beauty of the 18th hole because it's one of the greatest runs of holes in the world. So from an architecture point of view, you know, you don't want to take that incredible run of holes out of the Open Championship. It's it's, it's brilliant watching Seve and Watson play that, uh, and Langer play those holes in 1984 with some of the greatest golf ever. And you never want to take that from the game. It's much more interesting than watching the back nine at St. George's or Troon or Birkdale. Or, or. So for me, you don't want to take the open away forever because it, because they're such great holes to play. And the stuff that happens there is amazing. That shot Seve hit in 84 was one of the great shots. And so how they tackle the 12th hole and what you do off the tee there, there's, it, it, there's so much great golf to be had there. That's the reason you don't take it away from and if and if somebody it's, shot it's an 50, amazing place to watch golf. If somebody shot fifty nine clates, would that be a problem? Are you in the shack camp that they'll shoot what they shoot and let's just applaud good golf? You know, fifty nine's what six pars or seven pars. I mean, no, it's possible, but I mean, only shot sixty at Royal Melbourne, which was a shocking score, but it was a it was a beautiful day and the greens were perfect and it was a great player playing great golf and. You know, the, the world hasn't caved in since only shot 60 at Royal Melbourne. I mean, 59 is an incredibly low score. I mean, uh, you know, it's... Uh, but, of course, there are lots of holes and areas where you're hitting a wedge to the green. So if someone has a blinding day, I mean, Jacqueline went out in 29 that day in 1970, so it's possible. I mean, you can play back 9 and 30 and shoot 59, but, boy, it's not many pars. No. 
it would be great to watch, wouldn't it? Be a fabulous spectacle, Clates. <laughs> it's what golf's supposed to be, I suppose, isn't it? To see someone do that would be a fabulous thing to watch. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see how it unfolds. I suppose uh, the next question will become huggy about the setup of the course in 23. After they've made all these changes, is there a possibility that we might get something back and some of the ridiculousness of the 17th hole, at least, from the last time around can be changed? We might actually see some people be able to hit it left off the tee there. Well, no chance of that. I mean, the, the pin positions in the open are, are borderline on lunacy, some of them. I mean, they're, they're never seen, you know, between between opens. You, you don't see the pins going to some of the places that they, the, the RNA put them to keep the score, again, to keep the scores up. I mean, Jeff's dead right on that. But I, mean, I, I don't know how long we've been talking now, but it, 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 it basically everything that we talk about comes back to the same thing in the end. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, some, Jeff just mentioned 1984 with uh, what uh, Mike did with Seve and Watson, and let's not forget that uh, that day. Okay, it was it was the wrong club at the wrong time uh, for Tom Watson. He had two iron to that 17th green that day. Mm. It maybe should have been a four iron, but still, that was it. Would still have been it, the right club was a four iron for Tom Watson, and that's what less than 30 years ago. Now we're worried about them hitting too many wedges to these greens. If they just fix the ball, none of this would be happening. None of it. We'll uh, we'll be interested to see next week, Clates, at the Australian Open of the Lakes, what's the shortest club hit into the 11th? Did Bubba Watson hit a 7-iron into the 11th, the par 5 last year, if I recall, Clates? Hit a 7-iron. Hit a 7-iron. You know, I remember the day Steve Elkinen hit it on there for two. In 1992 Open with a 3-wood. Yep. One of the great shots of the It was staggered that someone could reach that green for two. And here's a guy 20 years later hitting a seven iron in there. I mean, it's unbelievable. We'll see if anybody goes lower next week. Clates, best of luck at the Australian Senior Open in Perth. I see you're hitting off about 10.35 Perth time. We'll follow your scores. How are you hitting them? Are you a chance? Uh, well, I'm not sure. I haven't played a tournament all year. So it'll be interesting. I'm playing okay, but... As Bobby Jones said, there's a big difference between, the, between Thursday and Friday. Yeah. It's a good field, though, isn't it? Actually, you've got Baker Finch there and Grady and Peter Fowler yeah. and Peter Senior. It's actually going to be a great event. Yeah, it's a terrific event. There are lots of good... I mean, pretty much all of us except Greg Norman are here from our generation. So, so it's a... Yeah, it's a really good feel. Yep, fantastic. I'm sure you'll have a beaut time. It'll be both a wonderful occasion to catch up with people and to see some good golf because I've got to tell you, some of these blokes can still play, can't they? And Peter Senior's made three million bucks in the last three years, Clates. Three million bucks on the senior tour. Yeah. <laughs> Not bad, is it? Sponsor the Australian Open. He plays well. Yeah, well, he does. He uh, he still plays well. He he, uh, he can he can get it done. Clates, uh, good luck today. Thanks for taking some time to chat today. Thanks, Rod. Yep. John Huggan, uh, thank you to you as well. I think you're you up here in Sydney next week for the Lakes for the Open. I'm sure you are. I'll be there. I'll see you then. Yeah, looking forward to it already. And Shaq, but shame you can't be here this year, Shaq. But great to talk to you over there in California as well. Okay, thanks, Rod. And that wraps it up for State of the Game episode 15. Won't be the last time we talk about these topics, I'm sure, but we will leave it there for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be back again to do it all again soon on State of the Game. State of the Game is a talk and golf production. Theme music, Writer's Retreat, provided by Lloyd Cole. Visit www.lloydcole.com for more information. For more golf podcasts, log on to www.talkandgolf.com. Oh,